This is the War Room Roundtable podcast, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant businessmen and women on the planet, hear their stories, and get the most important business lessons they've learned on the road to success, and get exclusive advice on how to implement their successes into your life and business. The War Room Roundtable is brought to you by your hosts, Jason Miller, CEO of Strategic Advisor Board, and Philip Lanos, CEO of Own the Rhythm, and former podcast host for Entrepreneur and Inc. Magazine. So welcome to the War Room. It is a pleasure to have you here. Laura Briggs, the freelance coach. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat with you. Yeah. No, this is going to be a fun one. I was looking over some of my notes here and it looks like there's a lot that I think many who are listening will be able to appreciate, including the fact that you're an author of five books. Uh, I think uh, you're going head to head with Jason there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, go ahead. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, it's It's been an, a really interesting journey. So I'm excited to chat and provide whatever help I can for your audience. Awesome. Our first question, it's a, and we love asking it, um, is do you yourself come from a family of entrepreneurs, business owners, freelancers? I do not, except for my mother's father, who I never knew, was a business owner. Um, he was a typewriter repair <laughs> specialist, and wow. I am a writer, so it's like there is kind of a connection there. So that's kind of the only person in my family who really, you know, started their own business and ran it most of their life. But um, other than that, not really. I mean, I, my father and my grandfather were both physicians and I'm married to a physician and my mom has worked in politics her entire life. So I'm kind of the, the outlier a little bit. <laughs> wow. That's fascinating. You know, I, I recently watched a documentary with Tom Hanks and John Mayer and how much they love typewriters or rep repairing them and yeah. using them. I don't know if you saw that one, but that's an interesting one. I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah. I've started collecting some typewriters because I think like I'm redoing my office and I just think it's really cool to decorate <laughs> with this old technology that um, is kind of coming back again in the writing world a little bit, yeah. going back to really simple machines that don't have distractions. So it's cool to see. Oh yeah. My, my, my dad used to use a typewriter when I was a kid. I remember hearing the, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the ribbons of ink and no, it's yeah. a, it's an interesting, very tactile experience, way different than using our thumbs to type on a on a phone keyboard. So um, that being said, though, so you don't have any of that influencing you. But how did it come to be in your journey, given that, you know, you have physicians, uh, your mm -hmm. politics and your family? Where does business and uh, freelancing and entrepreneurship sort of spring up in your life? At what point does that happen for you? So I was in the middle of a PhD program. I was planning to become a tenure track professor in public policy. And I was also teaching middle school during the day. I taught uh, middle school geography, US history, things like that. And I realized that doing 30 years of a career in education, the way that 
the reality of education and teaching in a classroom is these days uh, was not going to be for me. I was also in a relationship with someone who was in the Navy and I knew, well, this isn't going to work. I cannot work at one place unless my husband and I want to live separately. Right. So um, I started thinking about what this was back in 2012 before remote careers were a, a super huge thing. And so I started thinking about what things, what skills do I have from teaching, from academia that I could bring over that would follow me as we moved for his career. And I literally Googled how to become a freelance writer. I learned everything I could. I absorbed from podcasts, books, websites, uh, early mentors that I found and realized that I could build something for myself that I could decide who I wanted to work with, how many hours I wanted to work. And uh, you know, we've moved 13 times. This is hopefully the last time I have moved <laughs> where I'm at right now. I've told my husband to please really make this job work because I don't think I can back my stuff up again. But every Every time my job has come with me, right? As soon as I have Wi-Fi installed, I can get right back to work. So that's really what led me to it was kind of this mix of, hey, I'm really interested in doing stuff for myself. I seem to do better with projects when I manage myself. And also just being dissatisfied with kind of the the typical grind of what a uh, regular career would look like. Interesting. Yeah. No, and it's it's one of those things that a lot of people tell themselves, I'm going to look up like how I can go and change my life and do this online. And everybody says it, you actually did it. (laughs) And you looked it up and you actually listened (laughs) to the things and did the things and now do the thing. So I got to ask out of all of that, because from what I have here is you, you yourself have written a book called the six figure freelancers. So you teach people how to sort of get to that place. Is this accurate? Yes, I do. Because I was figuring this out on my own, which is the case for a lot of entrepreneurs and and new CEOs. You're in uncharted territory every day. I'd never run a business before. I'd never made a business plan. I didn't know how to sell things or negotiate. And so what I realized, I learned a lot of my lessons the hard way. I took on the wrong clients. I didn't protect myself in contracts the right way. I didn't budget properly for taxes. So all these mistakes that I made, I kind of said, wow, what if I wrote the book that I wish I had when I got started freelancing and working remotely that would kind of help other people like set their business up right from day one and really think about why they're doing this and how to align their business structure and systems to match what they really want out of it. That's what I really think is so unique about working as a freelancer. You can do five hours a week, you can do 40 hours a week, and it works for everyone on that spectrum in between based on what's important in their life. And so that's really why I sort of, um, I still freelance Lance, that's the biggest portion of my business, but I love teaching and helping other people because I, I don't want to see someone else go down that path of making the mistakes I did. And so if I can grab them early and say, oh, wait, actually, that's a huge red flag. Don't work with that client. It makes me feel like I'm kind of doing my part to give back to that community. I think I think I know for a fact, actually, that Jason is going to love this because Jason himself does a lot of consulting. Like I think majority of his life is what he does. So you guys have that in common where you're constantly trying to help other people like watch for things that they probably want to avoid. So I let him chime in here. I'm sure he's got something to say about that. Yeah, I, I always I, I don't work with startups anymore, but I used to I used to. And the thing when you start any venture whatever that is, right, is you can't let your ego get in the way. Mm -hmm. And a lot of new founders, this just happened literally last Wednesday. Great little company. It's been open for a year and a half. 
she contacted us um, doing really well, doing seven plus figures, double three, three point some million dollars in sales per year in her first year and a half. So fantastic. Right. And by the time I got done talking to her with an hour, I already knew she was on the wrong path. Right. Mm. But didn't want to hear it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> didn't want to hear it. Her ego was so jacked that mm-hmm. uh, it's like, no, you're wrong. Well, I only been doing this for 20 some years. So, okay, sure. I'm not saying I'm always right about everything, but when it comes to business and just the main things that you have to do in the business mm-hmm. itself, there's a formula for that, right? I mean, right. people been doing it the right way and that formula has been figured out. Right. So, and, and she's off that in a big way. And I said, well, look, I I just, I can't help you take care. (laughs) Done deal. You you can't save people from themselves. And that's the unfortunate thing sometimes. Yeah. And I think that it takes a, especially when someone is getting traction in their business, it takes a lot of work for them to get over that and say, Hey, I don't have everything figured out. I, this is when I need to hire help. I think a lot of people wait way too long. They wait way too long to get help from a coach or consultant. And they wait way too long to delegate to other people. Like even Mm. once they're past the point of earning enough revenue to pay someone else, there's still this like control aspect or this like, well, it's working in the sense that I'm doing everything, but I'm also clocking 60 hours a week and I'm burned out and exhausted and starting to hate my business. And so sometimes you have to balance that like, Hey, I'm doing really cool things. I have some metrics and some results that are great, but not everything is perfect. So how do I ask for help from a consultant? How do I hire, you know, a a person I can delegate to, to help me? How do I find software that helps me automate things or do things more quickly? Yeah. And some people, I mean, (laughs) I've been doing freelancing for a while and I think I can count on my one hand, how many, how many times I've actually gone out to get a contractor to delegate something to. And I don't say that with pride, you know, like I I'm actually like, ah, and I know that I need to do that. And I'm just like, ah, it's just easier if I do it, but that's something that's that, you know, at least I have the self-awareness that I have the problem. Most people wouldn't see that as, well, what's the problem? I can do most of the things myself, you know, and I don't need to. uh, Yeah. But you also can't keep your pipeline filled all the time if you're constantly doing the work. Right. So this is, I, this is an interesting conversation that we're getting to sort of, of the think the things that you talk about in this, uh, but this isn't because I have here that you also have been a TEDx speaker Mm -hmm. on top of all that. Right. Yes, I have done two TEDx talks and I am preparing to deliver a third one a couple of months from when we're recording. Yes. Wow. This is excellent. Uh, as somebody who who is part of a community of a lot of people that have that ambition, and I'm sure you have a community yourself where that goes, what are some things that you did yourself to sort of like prepare for that? Because uh, a lot of people have the notion, oh, I'm going to give a TEDx one day, right? And then they're like, hey, what would you talk about? That's what that's, that's what people sit down and go. Well, I don't know. I'm talking about uh, business. No, that what what after you've done this, you're now set up for your third. Right, that's a lot of at bat for something mm-hmm. like this. Are there any things that you yourself have noticed where you go like, I need to make sure that I take care of this thing here, and then the rest is obviously you know you got to go through the motions and do the work. 
but is there a sauce that you found makes a sandwich a lot better? <laughs> yes. I think, like you said, a lot of people start out with this really general idea, right? They're like, I want to do a talk about business. I want to do a talk about rejection, right? Those topics have been covered a lot on TEDx conversations. So you have to know why yours is different. You almost have to call attention to the fact that no one else is talking about the subject, right? My first TEDx talk is called The Future is Freelancing. No one was talking about the fact that there will be more independent contractors than traditional employees in the economy in the next couple of years on the TED stage. So that was a big part of my pitch was like, hey, this is a major thing affecting the future of our workforce and our economy. And why is no one talking about it, right? So you have to make that case for why has this not been heard before? Why is your perspective different? And so what is hard for people is you have to go listen to other TEDx talks and you don't want to do that to go, oh, this person made a good point. I'm going to pull from that. And I'm going to pull this point from this person's talk. You are listening for what is missing. So if you're going to talk about rejection, go look at all the TED talks on rejection. What are they all saying that's the same and kind of repetitive? Why would your perspective on that be different? And then Applying to TEDx talks, they're all going to ask for things either in writing or in a video, and you have to be succinct. So it might be 200 words to present your idea. With the one I'm preparing for in a couple of months, it was a 90-second video. It took me about 17 tries to get my 90-second video right because I would mess up or I would go over the time limit. And so start thinking about your talk in that way. How could you get this into 200 words that you could later expand or a 90-second video that you could later expand? And so like the one I'm doing is all about the challenges that military spouses face in their careers moving so frequently for their spouse's career. And so that was something I was like, hey, people don't think about the service behind the service, right? That just doesn't come up you 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 off we often thank service members for what they do and their sacrifices and we absolutely should but their families are really impacted and in particular the spouses have a lot of career setbacks that a lot of people don't realize and so that was my main argument is like hey people should know about this companies should think about hiring military spouses remotely to give them opportunities or doing internships so i would say that's really important you've got to know how your talk is different and you can't go on and on to get to the point it's got to be quick to get an organizer's attention oh wow I love that. You just delivered so much value uh, on a point. And, and I, I want to sort of unearth because I also want to turn it over to Jason because of what you said about because he's a career military for like 20 plus years. Just before we go there, I, I'm curious, like we're not everybody is this generous with like the things they've learned across time. Did you find at some point that like this was just who you were going to be or is it is it the teacher in you, you know, the wanted that that is like so generous in that way? Or where do you feel like you pick that up? Because not everybody's willing to be that way. Yeah, I think part of it is the teacher thing. Like I used to be a teacher. I love helping other people. And then part of it too is like, I had some really early mentors in my career. Um, one of them has since passed away unexpectedly. Her name was Yawanda Black. And Yawanda, was, it was the first $50 I ever spent on myself as a business owner was buying her ebook. And she answered all of my emails. We partnered together on things. I mean, anytime I had a question of, hey, am I doing this right? Am I thinking about my business the right way? She would answer. And so that's another part of it for me 
is like, how can I carry that legacy forward of someone who gave me a helping hand for very low cost or for no investment at all? How can I give that forward to other people? Because I know that that was so instrumental in giving me the confidence to make the leap. It was also that I had a professor and a teacher in college who pulled me aside. I was studying economics and political science, and he tried to convince me my junior year to change my major to English. That was the first time anyone ever made me think, could I be a decent writer? Could I actually make money someday as a writer? Like, so for me, it's like this legacy of teachers and other people who have given to me. It's like, man, what if, what if, even if it's one person in my whole life, I impact that way. What if I gave that person that gift of thinking they could do it or a tool that allowed them to do it? And that just inspires me to like go out there and and keep helping as much as I can. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I can't even imagine what it would be like to lose a mentor. Um, I love people who look after people mm-hmm. without even being asked half the time they probably give away too much. Right. So I, yeah. I have a lot of respect for people like that. And um, I wouldn't even know what that's like. So I'm, I'm sorry for, for that uh, loss that you had there. And I'm very grateful that you decided to carry the torch and the only way you can by paying it forward. Yeah. Uh, that's super awesome. And uh, I, I'd like to, because Jason is a career uh, a career personnel, as they say in the military, uh, I'd love to hear his thoughts on some of the things that you're working on and how maybe that comes together here. I want to go back to the military spouse thing, because that's really, really important to me, because mm-hmm. um, I spent 23 years in the military and drug my wife around the world with me. And, you know, we quickly learned that she needed to be able to work remote. Yeah. Right. And that's where she started her own business with project management, got her master's Mm -hmm. degree, all that stuff. She's the PM for our company today. Mm-hmm. And, you know, today's remote world, it's really important that we adapt to that. And some yeah. companies are doing great at it and others are not doing so good at it. Yeah. But there's a lot of opportunity out there and it's about seizing that opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. people need to know and understand that it's possible, right? Yeah. I mean, it's almost like the daily nine to five is pretty much... That's like in the distant past and that's sayonara, right? So, because a lot of people don't want to work like that anymore. Yeah. And the, the, the culture of business is really starting to come around to that, I think, mm-hmm. to where it hadn't fully spun around to it yet, but it's getting there. But uh, the more we can actually enculture that type of mentality man, the the more business we can get done because, you know, like I have folks at work for me and I always tell them this, I don't care if you, if you get your work done by noon and you're out on the golf course at one, I don't care. Do whatever, do do whatever you want, fill your boots. Right. So Mm -hmm. instead of the old way of just, you're sitting at your cubicle, just Mm -hmm. waiting for the time to pass. (laughs) That sucks. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) so but particularly military spouses that's a i got a big hole in my heart for that because uh, a lot of moving around there's a lot of opportunity for military spouses right now more than ever in history yeah um, to really be able to capitalize off that is your husband still in the navy right now 
No, he is out. He got out after 14 years. Um, he oh, was, okay. he enlisted at 17 and then got out and then got back in as an officer and went to medical school and all that. Oh, okay. Um, so, uh, he is a civilian now and, uh, it's just interesting, like his transition to the civilian world, right? Like his first job offer never occurred to him that he could negotiate that contract. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, you can ask for more money. You can tell them no, that that particular clause doesn't work. I was yeah, like, right. you're not just the recruiter and you know, they're not just telling you what you're going to get and, but, you know, sign everything on the dotted line, but yeah, he's, he's not in the military anymore. Um, but I learned so much following him around and building my own business because essentially I had to, like, what would I have done moving as many times as we did living in so many different States that, you know, all mm. have different rules and laws about even teacher certification or things like that. So for me, it really opened a lot of doors. And I, I think you're absolutely right. Businesses have to think about this in a new way. My mentality is the same as yours. I want people to do their work when it works for them. I also want the best people in the job. So does it matter that the two people who support my company are in Pennsylvania and New Mexico? Not at all. They do their work. They get it done. I get to work with the best talent. And I think if companies start thinking about it that way, don't you want the best person on your side, whether that's somebody who is traveling with a, a spouse who's in another country for a couple of years for military service or someone just a couple states down the, down the way, don't you want the best person in the job who will do the best job regardless of the hours and, and things like that? So I hope more businesses come around and you're right. There's a lot of opportunity for spouses right now, both in entrepreneurship and in remote work. And so I think it's um, really time that companies start paying attention to that sort of neglected part of our workforce. Yeah. It's interesting too, because uh, a friend of mine lives out in California mm-hmm. and, and, he he's a general contractor. So he runs a big construction company and he's got a great team around him and they brought a new architect in to do all the architectural work and all that stuff. And the architect said, you know, man, you got, you, you have an A team, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, well, who would say they have a B team? (laughs) (laughs) Because if you got a B team, man, you need to start looking for something else, right? So it's uh, it's just interesting how the mind of people, how, how people's minds work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even here in Boulder, when you look in Boulder, you used to see all these huge, you know, 50, 60,000 square foot, big corporate offices full of cubicles and all this stuff. Hell, they're all empty still. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are empty. Yeah. And they've like downsized them to 3000 square feet for, you know, the main C-suite and maybe some staff, yeah. everybody else is remote. Mm-hmm. And it's just the, it's the world I think we're going to live in for a while. And I don't mm-hmm. think it's a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I've worked remotely now for 10 years and I am so much more productive when I work for myself and I get to set up my own schedule. And mm-hmm. even within that time, I've, I've also been a W-2 employee uh, working remotely and I, it's just a different atmosphere and, and it's not for everybody, right? So my fourth book is called Remote Work for Military Spouses. And very at the very beginning of the book, we talk about how to assess yourself for remote work, because yes, it seems like an easy solution for a lot of people, but how do you make sure this is going to work for you? Because an extremely extroverted person who thrives on that collegial atmosphere of popping down the hall to talk to someone in their office 
you're going to have to like facilitate that in new ways, or you might have to say, Hey, maybe this isn't for me, or this is just something I know I'm going to struggle with going in. But I definitely think that it's the uh, way of the future and it can solve a lot of different problems. So that's really fascinating. I, I've been working myself as a freelancer, for, I think just about 10 years now. And um, I've had some great times and then some times that have not, you know, like anybody else who's in business for themselves to some degree, right? Uh, but one of the things I've always struggled with is I am activated by people. It's part of why I love podcasting so much. There's just something that I, I have access to as a person when I'm around others that doesn't seem as accessible when I'm by myself. It's not that I can't be by myself. I have no problem. I prefer it. It's the time where I get to read, but it's not the time where I get to work, right? Like there's a difference. I I find that I work better with people and that I learn better by myself. It's a really strange dynamic. And so I love that you're speaking to that and and, uh, that both of you as people who are in the marketplace of business, that both of you are champions of that because I think it's important for people to not only be like, oh yeah, remote work or well, here's how you, but also that you understand that there are nuances to it and that some people are better for it. Uh, I just, I love that as a general topic of conversation. I'm very grateful that you, again, were so generous with the way you presented your own approach to the TEDx. And really it's a, it's a way to look at thought leadership in general, right? Is uh, where exactly have people gone and what did they leave behind that they should have picked up as a stone to turn? That's the stone you want to turn for others, right? Like, I, I love that you broke that down. Uh, I think it's important to ask, like, if people wanted to read your uh, your book, Six Figure Freelancer, where would they go to connect with you to or or to find that? Yeah. So you can find the book on Amazon and and lots of, and it's on audible. I actually was the narrator for the audiobook version as well. Um, and you can check out all my books there. And then I also always encourage people to connect with me on LinkedIn, um, because that's where I am most active and I just love supporting other people. It's a great platform for business as well as for those who are trying to grow their careers. So I always welcome questions and uh, my favorite thing ever is to hear from readers. Um, sometimes being an author is a really lonely quiet exercise. And it's mostly you and your editor, you and your publisher going back and forth. So whenever I get one of those messages, it's like, Hey, I read your book and this helped me, or I read it. And I still have a question about X. I'm like, Oh, okay. It's, it goes a lot farther than just me and this editor, you know, uh, arguing over words or trying to get things just right for months before it goes out. So feel free to reach out to me anytime. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, I think it's a perfect time. I hope you don't mind. We want to give a shout out to one of the people who and companies that have actually made this episode possible because we are a show that is supported by business owners and entrepreneurs. They are literally the listeners. And some of them have stepped up and said, I want to make sure this keeps going. And one of those companies is sharing the credit. Uh, with Will Black. And uh, every time someone swipes a debit or credit card uh, at your business, you should know that you end up paying Visa or MasterCard a fee. Uh, And one of those fees goes back into the system, normally a bank, but can actually legally go to a nonprofit instead. And if you ask yourself, like, what nonprofit does that go to? Literally your choice uh, if you work with sharing the credit. Now, do you want to keep giving the money to the, the fat cats, quote unquote, or do you want to do some good in the world with every transaction that your business does? You can actually just go to sharingthecredit.com and uh, you can learn for yourself what it's like to be able to change just 
tweak something small in your business that can make a big difference just like that with something that's already happening. Uh, so yeah, look it up, sharingthecredit.com. Uh, with that said, uh, Laura, I've had such a great time being able to listen to some of your thoughts on freelancing and in particular, your unique slant of combining your teaching prowess with your life experience uh, as a freelancer. And then at the same time, the role you play as a partner to a military career, military personnel who then even made the transition into civilian life and what that was like. And then you having all this experience and going, actually, you should look at contracts like this. It's a really interesting blend and a really unique conversation that I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing where that goes as I connect with you. So I got to ask, if you could go back to when you first saw yourself moving back and forth and you're like, what am I going to do? You know, uh, there are people out there who move a lot when working with their, with their partners, what would you say to them or to that person that, that younger you knowing what you know now about this lifestyle? Yeah, I think it would be think outside the box because a lot of us start with thinking like, Oh, I need an income or I, you know, I want to have a career because it would help me feel more fulfilled. We have the opportunity now as workers or as business owners to go way beyond that. So think about what do you want your work to do in your life, not how you need your work to support your life, right? So I'm looking for things that are flexible, that are freedom-based, working with really cool people whose missions I can get behind. And that might start sending you in the direction of what you want to do as a career or as a side hustle, if you're still active duty, that can really open some doors thinking about, you know, what do you like the most? Is it working with a lot of people? Is it working by yourself? Is it, you know, uh, doing things where you're developing a product or where you're selling a service? I think that's a really good starting point uh, because we often look for what is available out there. What kinds of jobs are out there? Where can I, you know, can I sign up with Uber and be a driver? Think bigger than that. Think, what do I really want out of my side hustle or out of the job that I have? What would be my ideal? And then start finding things that might line up with that. It's never about the money. Yeah, mm-hmm. we've had that conversation here a lot. Uh, it's something that uh, Jason uh, always reminds me of too. And I'm like, yeah, man, you're valid point. It's like the minute I start talking, he's like, it's not about the money. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. yes. <laughs> so I, I love I love that. I love that. Um, before we go to the grand finale, I want to check in with Jason. <clears throat> the world of freelance is going to be the world we live in. The I can't remember the numbers, so I'm not even going to quote it, but it was big. That's all I'll say. <laughs> I mean, it was a big number of people that have transitioned over from normal work environment to the gig work, right? And this I do know is a real number. Two out of five, two out of five executives that work in the C-suite have are walking away from a C-suite position this year. Wow. That explains a lot of how people are just tired of the, they're just tired of the grind of it all. Right. And because, yeah, I always look at it this way. If I see my neighbor and talk to my neighbors like, oh yeah, I work, you know, 10, 15 hours a week for the company I work with. I got a lot of freedom and now I'm a C-suite guy. I go to work every day and I'm doing 60 hours a week, right? For the same paycheck type of deal. That becomes pretty hard to swallow. 
right? Mm-hmm. At some point. So a lot of people are just jumping ship. And mm-hmm. I think you're right. Think outside the box. That's it right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. For a million points, <laughs> even though nobody ever established we were addressing points here, the grand finale, uh, Laura, if you could have invited anyone to this conversation today at any point in place, time in the world uh, to be here, either as a listener or even a contributor, who would you have loved to have had here today with us and why them? Yeah. I mean, oh, there's so many great options out there. Um, I really am inspired by the author, Jennifer Weiner. I've loved following her journey. It's very similar to mine. She started as a freelance journalist and then sort of branched into writing novels. She's a very successful fiction novelist now and um, grew up with a physician for a father, grew up with abuse in her household as I did too. And so I would just love to be able to chat with her and kind of hear her perspective on you know what the future of writing looks like what the future of work looks like how she adapted and and things like that yeah that's awesome it's it's it almost harkens back to that time when you didn't even intend to be like in an english major and then somebody told you and ever since then you you actually looked at the path and it's clear to me that you listen to what what's happening in the industry which is something people put out books all the time right uh we read about it earlier and mentioned it in passing you an author of five books and people put out books, but they don't ever look at like the industry of writing as a whole and where it's going. So I love that you brought that up because I think you bring that same approach even to the industry of freelancing and the, the state of that looks like. And I think that that's, if somebody isn't already taking the time to look at their industry, like it's a great reminder for me, um, don't get so caught up in just the work that you're doing. Do you take time to actually understand what the field you're playing on looks like and where the line of scrimmage is and how you can take it past that. Right. So uh, thank you so much for your unique perspective and being open about sharing that. Uh, With that said, it's tradition here that Jason closes us out. So I'll I'll let him do that. Yeah. Thanks for being here. It's uh, we're all busy, you know, and it's great to have people like you take the 30 minutes of your day to come in and share your institutional knowledge and, and little bits of little bits of gold with the audience. Cause uh, if you didn't catch something out of that, rewind it and do her again. Cause you missed it. Um, so yeah, thanks for being here. And it was a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the War Room Roundtable with your hosts, Jason Miller and Philip Llanos. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates. And always remember, if you can dream it and believe it, then you can go achieve it. We'll see you in the next episode.